conversation between teachers and teacher educators about research and practice. In episode 19, we discussed the first two chapters of Tony Rossi and colleagues' 2015 book, Workplace Learning in Physical Education, Emerging Teachers' Stories from the Staff Room and Beyond. We begin with an around-the-table discussion. I guess I'll uh, jump my foot in the water, put my foot in the pool here. Uh, Ash, thanks for for having me once again. And um, two papers and two blogs and and one week is a a heavy load for sure, but excited to to speak about it. Um, I was really enamored with uh, this week's topics and the journey of my own professional development really came into the light when when reading uh, the blogs. And really for me is, you know, the professional journey is is a road that that never ends. And if you're stopped your journey, you've run out of gas. And so, you know, the the journey is is continually refining um, your craft in, in physical education and specifically with with PEAT programs. Uh, being able to connect with teachers that are in the trenches, teachers that are in the field and, and const- constantly optimize their uh, PEAT programs to um, better prepare uh, pre-service teachers to become induction teachers. And that is a you know constant um, you know process that needs to happen. One of the quotes that that stood out to me with the uh, learning to teach. Blog is is programs of teacher education in the USA uh, from the research here. We're failing to prepare teachers for the standards-based, accountability-driven classrooms, where the only measure of success is student achievement. And so, that in in the context of of the environment that I'm in currently in in, in urban school, you know, high-quality teachers. Um, are tied to compliance and routines rather than, you know, instructional effectiveness. And and that really narrows the work and and how we're perceived in um, the context of our school culture. So um, those are my my opening thoughts and I'm sure a lot more to discuss, but um, the professional journey is um, something that I've really appreciated and um, this kind of harkened back to my process. So thank you for having me. So uh, what I took from this was uh, the, the the sense of blurred lines for me. There was one sentence in the blog, and then that sort of stuck in my mind uh, throughout. And those sort of blurred lines between procedure and what I, what you actually discuss um, as a group or a department. And I was thinking, I wonder what the actual policy is and practice as you develop as a teacher. Are you going off of what's written down or what what you discuss and what what's better there is it is everyone being on the same page through discussions together or through policy what what's better uh, even if that's not strictly what's written down um could everybody being on the same page be, be better be better better for the teaching and learning aspect and ensuring that those relationships 
uh, are as strong as they should be. And I definitely agree with what's just been said about the the sort of lifelong or career long development as a teacher. Uh, I'm going into a school now with, with the vision of enabling learners to be lifelong learners. We, we, we need to be conscious to, to practice what we preach sort of thing and um, ensure that we're doing that as well uh, and cont continually developing uh, no matter how that, how that might be, how, how that might manifest itself, uh, but just ensuring that we're, we're going through those processes to do so. Thanks, Cam. Uh, some good points. And again, thanks to Ash for uh, uh, steering us in this direction. Uh, it's my first time uh, getting a chance to look at um, Rossi's work and what Rossi and colleagues that is. So, so I'm grateful to Ash for uh, uh, pointing to it this week and last. Uh, some things that uh, certainly resonate with me are uh, I'm a full disclosure. I'm a relatively, uh, you know, new uh, new bloomer when it comes to socialization. I, you know, I've only come across uh, socialization in physical education circles over the last few years. And I've been, uh, you know, particularly intrigued. Uh, you know, I'm fascinated by the fact that we have in the literature, you know, starting with, you know, Dr. Lawson and Templin, you know, this idea, and then obviously now being promoted by others, but, uh, you know, the uh, this idea that we have this acculturation phase into the into the profession, just based basically our own experiences, uh, you know, K through 12, that really that really mold us and what we think the profession is. And then we have, you know, this professional uh, piece that goes on in our training, which is only four or five, maybe six years. And then we then we have the occupational side when we get into the work world and then in, in, in induction and how you've got almost two sides of this spectrum that are working against that that middle training phase that uh, I that I'm particularly fascinated with. Uh, so I think and I think uh, obviously Ash draws to that. I'm also, you, uh, you know, uh, Ash references the pedagogized uh, society and how we we tend to now more so than ever before, teach ourselves, learn about concepts ourselves. And the authors refer to that in the readings as well. Um, but yet, when we think about teacher training, things have not changed. That's that's important to consider, for sure. And then, then last but not least, in terms of thinking about teacher education and teacher training, we, we certainly place a lot of value on being in the school sphere, you know, the practicum, the student teaching experience, the clinical side of things. And uh, I would say if, if cornered, I would I would agree that that is critical to a to a teacher's training. However, um, the literature and, and Ash's blogs this past week and a half have really pointed to the fact that even though we may have a good PE mentor teacher or cooperating teacher, if that teacher candidate is surrounded by a lot of other negativity, it doesn't matter. It could be a very 
negative or, uh, you know, diminished experience in training uh, that I hadn't thought about, that even the best mentor teachers um, are still probably surrounded by negative circumstances that have to be considered when we think about teacher training. Yeah, I pause because I, while I, you know, take on board all that you've said, I, I think I missed the mark. Because this is you both you've all talked very broadly about teacher education, uh, and I think the concepts here at this book in this book tend to be focused very, very particularly on the specific workplace that's found within the PE office, within the within the staff room, not sort of the broader context itself. Um, and you know, this is an Australian book, and clearly, there, you know, this is a this is a more global concept in terms of that kind of that that place where, you know, the PE staff go in this case, and and, and I'm sure it's the same with other subject areas where you learn, you know, you know your trade within that space. And some of these places are, you know, very friendly, very open. Um, but I'm going to read a quote here, which I don't think I used. And I've written next to it in my annotations on the book. Key quote. In among the stories of enjoyment, fulfillment and success were tales of hypermasculinity, rampant sexism, xenophobic attitudes, blatant disregard for the role of mentor or advisor, dismissal of campus based knowledge, commentary on, on service, pre-service teacher, teachers, personal size, shape, weight, sexual orientation and other belittling observations, all of which appear to emanate from within the departmental staff room or office. And I've heard stories from, from trainee teachers um, of comments that have been made in staff rooms. I've read them in, in assignments that are, are worrying. And I know, you know, in myself, I, I may have been the instigator of, or I may have been, you know, a proponent of, or have suffered under that sort of education in terms of what it means to be a PE teacher. Um, and I guess we, part of this, you know, series of blogs and, and series of um, considerations is, is how we, how we challenge and stand up to those, both as experienced teachers, as, you know, new teachers, you know, recently qualified teachers, early career teachers, midterm key teachers, teacher educators, et cetera, and, and, and how those um, toxic practices can be challenged when, when you're in a position where these are individuals who can pass or fail you based upon your, your attitude and approach. Um, and I'm by certainly not suggesting that every department suffers under these um, outdated um, concepts um but i'm sure there are many incidences around the around the country around the you know around the world where these sorts of things are are happening and where there is a homogenization of what it means to be a pe teacher within a school um i've written down the mcdonald mcdonaldization of departments so that key ideas continue and what may be considered radical ideas dissipate uh, and disappear or are not encouraged and, and then at what point young teachers are able to impose their own ideologies and um, you know lend to that that discussion about what it means to be a PE teacher um, and I guess this is 
positioned very carefully. I'd never have this discussion with, you know, my pre-service teachers before they've had the experiences of going into department because I think it would be quite worrying and quite scary. And but I think as they move out from under our care, they, you know, being aware of how these processes are and what they can do in order to challenge them is really, really important. Um, and I guess that's that's kind of that's what the next series of blogs and and, and discussions are going to be about. So um, I kind of think I may have let people down in terms of the writing, not to have, have put that nuanced and and kind of focused view on on what it is that we're talking about. Yeah, Ash, I can speak from the uh, perspective of uh, a current practitioner in the field and and the process. Uh, that that I went through as as a pre-service teacher um, going into my induction years. I think for PE teachers in the field that that I know and and I've come to have good relationships with and and who I've went to school with, I think that for better or for worse, your experience in the environment that you're receiving in your practicum experience has a lot to do with the transferability of your perceptions during your induction years as a, a physical educator. And so that learned space and that shared space in, in different parts um, of, of the PE office, of formal professional development opportunities beyond your educational experience, uh, those different spaces combined together give you your perspective and the lens that in which you um, go about it. And, and in no uncertain terms, some of those um, conversations and, and to be honest with you, collegial settings throughout the profession are, are the most effective for promoting learning. There's, there's no doubt about it. But make no mistake, there are inflammatory um, comments that are uh, being said. There are negative you know conversations that happen within these environments and you have a you have a choice to make in and how you want to respond as um, someone who is going to either ignore it try to rise above it confront it and that is something that i've i've dealt with in in my professional uh, endeavors as well and so the socialization of professionals, and more specifically, we're speaking about PE teachers. I've learned so much from the professionals that, that I currently work with and I've worked with in the past and, and trying to keep in touch with as many um, mentors and former mentors that, that I've had over the years. But uh, make no mistake, for better or for worse, there are um, some really inflammatory things that are being said in the field um, and how we deal with these things and how we perceive them and, and how we give our uh, pre-service teachers uh, a high quality experience uh, so that they can thrive and, and be successful in their induction years um, really stems from educating them in, in all the spaces and practicum is certainly one of them. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I, th I think when we talk about these 
so-called negative experiences have been on um, on placement or ex individual experiences in a in a P office or department. Uh, can't things be made into extremely positive experiences if you are able to critically think and analyse what's being said and what's being done, and then take it forward into your own practice to do something else and to to lead by example of what you think things should be like and change your own behaviour uh, rather than just accepting them as negative experiences. I don't think we're in a position at all as trainee teachers uh, or maybe even uh, as new qualified teachers, uh, qualified teachers as well as uh, to confront it um, at such an early stage. Uh, but like I said, we can certainly do something by changing our own behaviours. Isn't that what we encourage children to do as well? To um, sort of if they're being someone saying something they don't particularly like, to not necessarily confront it into. Don't want to say be aggressive about it. Um, not confront it in a negative manner, but to to ensure that their actions don't replicate those of those around them. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, well done, gentlemen. Uh, a lot of points to consider. And Ash, I, I agree with your sentiments. Unfortunately, the, some of the stereotypical remarks from the authors about some of the things that are said, some of the stereotypes of us as PE professionals are, are certainly sobering. Uh, we've talked about this before on the podcast. Just our, you know, again, what... Uh, what people think about us as practitioners in some ways. But the thing that um, I want to consider as well is, you know, you brought up the, the water cooler chat, the lunchroom discussion, the work, you know, the what goes on in that workroom, uh, you know, with PE colleagues. But I think it's far bigger than that. And, and you do a nice job of pointing to it. And so does so does Rossi and and his colleagues that I think in teacher ed, we have to also consider the fact that, you know, as the authors pointed out, we're in an austerity accountability era when it comes to K through 12, unfortunately. And so now we're putting teacher candidates in a situation, again, probably a good mentor teacher or a good cooperating teacher, maybe a, maybe a good PE program, but yet those programs have other pressures not only the lunchroom and water cooler chat okay but the pressure of performing to standardized tests and school programs being and teachers being uh, put under that pressure and now we're, we're uh, immersing teacher candidates into those environments uh the authors referred to that they they acknowledged that that's certainly something that was not lost on me uh, you know, and that speaks to Ash's point about standardization. That forces PE programs, and for that matter, other disciplines, to standardize teaching, to teach to a test. And that's not what we want. Uh, obviously, we want PE programs to be reflective and meaningful to local school communities, not catering to a test. So when we think about negative experiences, for teacher candidates, it's far bigger than just the lunchroom, but it's certainly one place to start. Um, 
And, you know, Ash, I, you know, don't sell yourself short. I, I think you did a wonderful job. And I, and I've, uh, this is the first time I've come across Rossi's book. I, um, uh, I heard Dr. Kirk allude to it in, uh, the previous podcast that we highlighted with, uh, uh, Andy, uh, what was the gentleman's name? Andy Vasily. Yes. And, uh, uh, so I'd heard about the book, and I uh, so I'm I'm glad that you've selected it for our readings the next coming weeks. I, I'm looking forward to it, and I've considered: is this a book that my student teachers might want? Uh, might be a good book for them to read during student teaching. I don't know. But I mean, we do introduce um, our student teachers to the notion of occupational socialization, and and that we get in terms of their knowledge, beliefs, um, when they come onto the course and, and they have, it's one of the kind of recurring um, motifs that goes through the, the program so that they're, you know, that, you know, even on the first day of the course, they're kind of thinking about why they want to teach and, and they're revisiting that and they will revisit it again before they leave because, you know, it's to get them to think about the type of teacher they want to be, which I think is really important because you can't that will change over the course of the program and and you know will you know will change going forwards. Um, and I think you know we we know a lot about the individuals who make up the departments that where our our students go to learn to teach and and they all you know. You know, are really personable and, and, and good folk. Um, but, you know, outside of the formal classroom where they're teaching the lessons, the, the, the majority of time that um, teachers spend is within those departmental groups. Um, and I don't want to say this is just about PE. I mean, this book is about PE. It's about, you know, the PE staff, or, you know, change room or office or whatever, it, you know, you refer it to. And those are the people who you tend to engage with. But I remember when I was a teacher, there was there was a staff room and you walked in the door and on immediately to the far right was the math department. The math department always sat there. Nobody else sat there. Opposite them in the other corner was the English department and the English department always sat there and that was so-and-so's chair and that was so-and-so's chair. Um, and then you went through another door and that's where the French department and the P department sat and when they were in the staff room. And, you know, there were very clear boundaries and expectations in terms of who would go where and who you would engage with. And and and, and that's where the learning is is occurring in very specific microcosms i guess of practice and i think throughout teaching these are these are bastions of of something and there might be bastions of progression or there might be bastions of tradition or or any of those spaces but i guess it's being aware of what those where those places are and what they what they do and what they allow you not to do um what they enable and what they 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 you know they make very very difficult i guess to um to engage with them um i guess it's you know as cam you know as cam says it's learning what you eventually want to be as a teacher and then taking that with you when you go somewhere else which is you know you know a very good mechanism for kind of developing what's happening but um I, I just question whether that's the long-term solution, I guess, 
um, to pack it away and, and save it up for a rainy day <laughs> um, rather than, than being able to challenge. And it's, it's a very difficult time to, you know, to challenge these, you know, these practices. Even if you experience once in, a, in an 11 week program, how do you challenge it? Um, you know, how do you challenge those um, conversations that occur around around gender, around race, around um, body type, around you know in the spaces where somebody is there to assess you, which is the same when you're a young teacher, um, or is the same in a school when you want to progress and go for a promotion. You know, these are the people who decide whether you're a troublemaker, I guess. <laughs> Um, you know, and towing the party line, and it can be a way of, of you know, developing, you know, internally, um, while you know, not challenging the spaces. And what's the expression? Expression, um, you know, the things we walk past are the things we 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 accept, and and I guess it's that kind of challenge that we need to consider. Another quick point, Ash, uh, you, you made me uh, think about what I was reading. Uh, and again, it kind of just a, an overarching theme among your blogs and again, the first two chapters. And I think it kind of speaks to what you're saying. Uh, you know, there, I'm sure you've heard of it with your experience. There's an old saying in teacher prep, uh, sometimes a bad experience is a good experience from a learning context. And I, when I was reading this, I said to myself, wow, that kind of flies in the face of that old proverb, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. It certainly does. And uh, I've had uh, you know, my fair share of negative experiences, uh, you know, and, and those are learning opportunities to understand what went wrong and um, understand how to learn and grow from, from those professional um, you know areas and and make yourself a, a better teacher for um you know the, the students that you work with you know i want to come back to um you know the collegial setting and the the accountability that uh teachers are faced and and um certainly dr seymour's work and and others have pointed to the this educational policy of the, the accountability era and, and teaching to the test. And you know, I think pre-service teachers get a sense of when they're in practicum experiences that that teachers in this um, you know city-state society of you know microcosms of, of different groups of subject areas around the staff room. Um, and even in, in conversations with their own departments that, you know, their performance is, is based on those benchmarks rather than substance. And, and that society is more performative than sub, sub, substantive. And conforming to the system um, can often dwell on teachers in those departments and they can get overwhelmed with some of the benchmarks and standards that they have to follow um, and they are ruthlessly um, evaluated on instead of you know looking at the profession from a substantive view 
of a continuously um, shared and, and learned experience together. So that takes place in many contexts as well. And it doesn't have to be just in the uh, department or just in the, the lunchroom or, or it, it takes place outside of the um, profession as well. And, and the blurred lines, like Cam said, between work and, and leisure time and, and any experience in, in any profession are now substantially blurred. And you really have to map out um, your experiences and, and what that looks like along your journey of professional growth. So uh, all great points to consider. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, let's think about kind of concluding this. Um, you know, I, for over years, I've read comments from student teachers about, you know, pupils in, in school using certain sort of homophobic or, um, you know, ultra-masculine or, or, you know, sexist language. Um, and... You know, then reading narratives about teachers not not picking up on this and, and not necessarily challenging it, and that um, it's difficult, you know, to reconcile that with uh, with you know different sides of the story, and and and, and you know, if I picked up every single comment, then you know we'd never get any 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 phys ed done. And then you, you there's that balance between. Well, what's important here is is the, the is the is the life knowledge that what what's being said is inappropriate and shouldn't be said, or is it the the physical education knowledge that you need to that we deem that they need to know? And there's that there's striking a balance between the the subject outcomes and the the moral or societal outcomes that come with that. And um, it's it's not a it's not a neutral sum. It, it, you know, you have to kind of make those decisions. But I think sometimes you know we need to take those steps. I and mean, we talked about it a couple of weeks we we, 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 we ago when we were looking at critical race theory. There, you know, there are some things that we have. If we don't stand up against them, then they'll just they just keep occurring. Um, and I think. You know, there are some things that if were said, you know, um, they would be picked up immediately. Um, but there are other things that are, I guess, are, are left to slide. And there's language out there that, that is um, antiquated that needs to be challenged. So this notion of, well, you throw like a girl or girly press ups or, you know, those sorts of concepts that, you know, we hear, which is this throwaway acceptable but you know, kind of accepted you know notion of you know of looking at, uh, at you know those, these processes and I guess it's that it's that that challenge of when you step up and as an early career teacher it's very hard because you're trying to you want to teach you want to get on and teach you want that's why you're there you know you know if and if the more senior teachers won't challenge the the language that's being used or the intonation that's being put into something then then why should you if you're you're you know experienced doing it and then we learn to turn a blind eye and move forward in that so that's kind of my closing thoughts i guess 
I could certainly add to that, Ash. Uh, we had uh, converse. Um, Michael and I had conversations about you know the uncomfortable conversations, and I think it, it, it's very difficult to navigate. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I unfortunately I think it comes down to each each person, each teacher, each educator, and when when he or she, you know decides that enough is enough, you know, and, and I would think that, you know, when the language, uh, or the, again, inappropriate intonation is, is said in certain instances, particularly among a teacher candidate or, uh, uh teacher candidates, excuse me, or, you know, or, you know, uh, in a situation in front of K through 12 students, it has to be remediated immediately. Uh, you know, in, in more informal settings, that's the challenge. That's the challenge for all of us right now, I think we're facing today in society with some of the social justice issues that we that we are seeing, not only in the US, but around the world. Yeah, definitely challenging conversations right now in, in the in the United States and in, in the world with, with these topics and uh, trying to confront them in a way where there's meaningful change inside the professional environment and in informal and, and social settings as well, because they do have correlation and they do have carryover and, and they do have transfer. So I think that they should not be separated, these conversations from professional conversations to informal conversations. They are just language and um, inappropriate behavior and, and inappropriate language that that really cannot be tolerated in, in any conversation. And so either you're, you know, have to stand up and 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 um, and, and fight back in, in, with your words and fight back in a way that can, can make that positive change. Um, or you sit on the sidelines and, and, and some contend that uh, doing nothing is, is just as worse as spreading those conversations. So your upbringing and your experiences have a lot to do with, with that um, process and, and how you deal with some of the language that you're hearing and observing. But I think uh, the, the points are well taken that you need to be a conduit of, you know, anti homophobic, anti-racism, and really take action because action is the only thing that's going to uh, make progress in, in some of these social justice areas. Uh, I'm going to be really, really brief. Uh, so I don't think it's all just down to us to challenge this home, home like parents, carers uh, have got to be fully on board with, with challenging, challenging those things as well, uh, if, we're, if we're going to make a real difference on, on that, on the sort of language. Uh, side of things. Yeah, I guess in, in summary, it's we're talking about very small spaces and very particular communities here. So while the language of pupils is is something that I completely agree is a, is a societal and a family and, and uh, you know, lots of other people, all the, you know, we're talking about very small spaces in terms of how it happens. But it's very difficult because, you know, you become a killjoy or I was only joking or don't be so serious. You know, lots of ways of kind of saying, well, you know, you know, it's it's, it's 
it's only a bit of a, it's only a bit of fun and you know we don't mean it and 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 you know you're caught with that situation where you know it's very difficult to turn around to say somebody what this is the 57th time you've made that joke. I mean, you know, you, you know, and then you'd be, oh, you've taken notes on me or you, you know, when are you going to tell teacher? And, and it, you know, these are very difficult places to kind of have those conversations because genuinely people are joking. Um, but the, the, the topic of the joke or the, the subject of the joke is, is, is inappropriate. Um, but it's, uh, and I guess that's the thing that we're talking about here is the when does a when does a when does a joke become when is it a joke and when it is a you know a reflection of a kind of system wide problem um, that we need to kind of really address and stop making those jokes. Um, and then it becomes around you know stereotypes and all sorts. And we can go on and on and we have done on the on the on the podcast. So. I guess it's just considering those as, as um, you know, the processes, but also the rebuttals that occur um, and then the difficulties of being in the staff room when you pick somebody up for something that they shouldn't have said. And, and, and there's nothing more challenging than being picked up for something inappropriate. You get, get very defensive or they get very quiet or they get very worried and, and, and then you've got to kind of live in that environment as well. So. Um, you know, it's something that we should do, um, and as we've talked about before, it, it's 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 not the easy path to take. And that's where our discussions ended. I'd like to thank Charlie, Michael, and Clancy for their company and their thoughts. If you'd like to join the panel when we discuss next week's chapter, and can be available on Thursday at five pm British Summer Time, then just drop me an email at Loughborough University. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and hopefully, you'll choose to catch up with us next time when we continue to explore Rossi and colleagues' book.